How you doing there, guys? It's Kyle Brotherson. I am the host of Dirt Bike Channel on YouTube, and you've maybe even seen my website over there. Um, if you're just coming in, uh, welcome. This is the uh, first podcast here for Dirt Bike Channel. So this is a new format for me, and I hope that you guys enjoy it. There's going to be a lot of content that's going to be coming over the next few months and hopefully years uh, as I go and continue to do this. I'm a little bit nervous because this is a little bit different format than I've done before. So kind of, uh, you know, have patience with me. I'm learning and I'm growing here. The, the whole point of this is I'm going to have a lot of different content. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to have some of the content, which is just me kind of rambling on about topics. And then other times I'm going to have guests on and I'm trying to get the, uh, the sound equipment and the technology and everything so that I can have guests on the show and bring, um, useful and interesting topics to you guys. And I feel like this is going to be kind of an, uh, a good way to have, you know, the off-road and enduro style, uh, information in off-road and enduro style, style of dirt biking, that information, we don't have a ton of that stuff out there. That's that is pertinent to us. I'm talking about the type of stuff that you want to listen to as you're going, coming and going, going to a ride or coming back from a ride or whatever. Um, you, we, we don't always want to listen to the radio. And I listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot of different business podcasts and economics podcasts. And I listen to a lot of audiobooks because I've gotten to the point where I don't love to listen to the radio or to music all the time. And so I will do, I'll do, you know, listen to these types of uh, podcast where I can learn something. And that's what I'm hoping to do now with this is just to give you guys um, something else to listen to. So we're going to try this podcast. Um, and I, as I reached out to a bunch of people and I said, hey, what are some of the things that you'd like to see or like to hear in a podcast? Um, I've got a lot of different topics. And if you have topics that you want me to cover, go ahead and email me. It's kyle at dirtbikechannel.com. And uh, I'd love to hear the topics that you've got. But I'll, I want to have guests on here where we talk about um, all things dirt bike related. We may be talking tires. We may be talking uh, races in supercross and motocross. But mostly what I want to do is focus a lot of this stuff onto the off-road and enduro style, uh, you know, that, that information for, for us, the rider that way. So the first episode here that I had a lot of people requesting was that I would do an episode about how I got into dirt bikes and what my dirt bike history is. And so I wanted to cover that a little bit with you guys today. So that's the topic of this, of this episode. Um, basically, if, if I go back to the roots of my, of my dirt biking, and everyone has a root, right? Everyone has, some, has, has a Genesis story. This is kind of like my Genesis story. And it all started on the front of Billy Goat. Uh, you, 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 you question, well, what is Billy Goat? Billy Goat is a 1980, it's my dad's 1980 Honda, 1980, uh, so it's a little bit older than me, Honda 500 XLS. So I think my dad, it's a four-stroke bike. My dad bought that thing back in probably 81 or 82 uh, when I was just a youngling. I was born in 81, so what am I, 38 uh, 38 now? And he would take me and my older sister and my younger sister as well uh, when she came around he would take us on the front of this uh, Duro bike. And it's like an Enduro bike that has the metal gas tank and, and uh, you know, the low seat like it did in, the, in those styles. And it also had like signal lights and mirrors and, and all this stuff and a speedometer and a horn. So it's, it's a dual sport bike is what it was. But that was, that was what my dad had. And he still has it to this day. The funny thing is that bike still runs to this day, even 2019. It doesn't start on the first kick anymore. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's never had much maintenance done to it. And we also have, uh, you know, the ethanol in our gas. And so if you don't start, you know, your engines 
really frequently they can kind of gum up in the carburetors and stuff. And so, but if you spend some time and you kick the bike over, it runs better and better uh, as you run it even now. But uh, my dad would tool us around on the front of that bike. We'd ride all over the mountain roads. We grew up in Mount Pleasant, Utah, a little town with like, you know, maybe 3,000 people. And we lived near the mountains. And so we would do a lot of just kind of roaming up in the mountains. And we would also uh, go on a lot of different camping trips. And on those camping trips, we would, um, you know, just hang out on the front of his bike. He had this, he had this little uh, bar pad on there that it's, it's, it says the gold belt debruiser is what it says on the front of there. And that we would kind of hold on to that with our little hands, you know, and, and that was our little handle. And obviously that was for us if we bounced our face off the front of the handlebars, because of course we're using the open face helmets, like everyone did those really cool, sweet red open face helmets that I'm sure uh, some of you guys grew up with. That's what I was wearing. Uh, now when I'm taking my kids on the bike, they have full face helmets because I'm not, I'm over that whole open face thing. I, I got over that thing. But that's what uh, that was kind of like the the beginnings of me and the dirt bike world was just riding on the front of my dad's bike when I was two, three, four, five. Um, by the time I turned six or seven, my dad bought a 1986 Suzuki Quad Runner 230. So if you guys have seen these things, it's a four wheeler, um, and it's kind of I mean by today's standards it would be considered a small four wheeler, but it's still dangerous for a kid and. It had no suspension. It had shaft drive. It was electric start. And that thing still runs to this day. And me and my sister, especially my older sister, we drove that thing all over the place. It was like our mini, you know, it was our transportation system for everything. We would take it over to the, you know, different different uh, properties that my grandpa owned, you know, different farm properties and stuff. And we would just take it everywhere, up on the mountains, camping. My dad, we lived on a 10-acre piece of property. My dad still has it there in Mount Pleasant. And he kind of carved out of the sagebrush these little roads, you know, with a tractor. And so me and my sister would just drive around on those roads, you know, in the field. And we would just do that for hours and hours and hours. And that little Quad Runner 230 just kept going and going and going. And we rode the wheels off of that thing. It was just, you know, it was a five speed. You would go neutral was all the way at the bottom. And first gear was up. Second gear was up. Everything was up. And I think there were five gears on it. You didn't have a clutch. So it was easy to, easy to drive. And we spent a ton of time on that Suzuki uh, Quadrunner. And then, kind of as, as I'm getting a little bit older, my buddy Scott Seeley, he had he started getting into dirt bikes. They also had four-wheelers there. Uh, his dad had like one of those quad sport 250s. Uh, and that was a clutch one. And, you know, we thought that was this amazing thing. It was a four-stroke. Everything I've talked about up to this point has been a four-stroke. But then my first introduction to two-strokes was there as like a 10-year-old, 11, 12-year-old kid where Scott Seeley had these two-stroke bikes like the Honda, you know, the 65s and, and the Honda CR80s and stuff like that. And it was, they were so freaking scary to me. And I just kind of, I just kind of associated two-stroke with super scary and like on-off switch. The power was either non-existent or it was just in your face and you were flying you know, it was, you were wheeling over and I was just kind of so scared and it kind of gave me this stigma that stayed with me for many, many years after that, that two strokes are hard to ride. Two strokes are scary. Two strokes are loud. Um, and it took a long time for me to, to kind of get over that. And even in, it took me into my thirties before I got over that on the dirt bikes. Then around 14, 15, um, I, I would, my dad also had a 1975 Honda XL 250. 
And uh, the thing had a black gas tank, and it also had the signal lights and the mirrors and all this stuff, and, and the, the metal tank. It was heavy. It was street legal. It had the dual sport tires, and it was a beast. But, but I was like, you know what? I, I kind of wanted to ride that thing around. So when I was 14 or 15, I, I went and I was riding that thing. And I was so scared of tipping it over because it was so heavy. And my dad had kind of taught me that if, you, that if you tip a dirt bike over, you're crashing it and, and you're wrecking it just by tipping it over and it's causing all this damage. And so I was super scared to do that. And I was like, I don't want to ride dirt bikes because it's scary and it's hard and I'm going to do all this damage. Well, you know, come to find out years later, you know, dirt bikes are made to just like put down on the ground. I'm, I'm crashing or tipping my bike. I'm tipping my bikes all the time. I don't call it crashing them. I'm tipping them. Um, but that was the difference between me and my dad's interpretation of that. And then when I turned uh, 16, I used my, my used Billy Goat, my dad's, you know, his 500 uh, to get my motorcycle license. So the same day that I got my driver's license for cars, when I turned 16, I got my motorcycle drive or motorcycle license at the same time, you know, had to do, you know, the figure eight turn and, and like an emergency stop and signaling and all this stuff. I always, I always, pretend, I always told people that like in order to get your motorcycle license, you had to do a figure eight turn as tight as you could, and then ride a wheelie through three gears down the road. <laughs> and I told that, to, I don't know how many people, they're like, what did you have to do to get your motorcycle license? I'm like, well, the hardest part is just riding the wheelie. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, on the, on the test, you have to ride a wheelie through first, second, and third gears without letting the front wheel down. And then you have to come into an emergency stop like that without pulling the back wheel off the ground. So I'm like, you can't do a stoppy. And that's what I told people. I don't know how many, I, I think some people did believe me, but I don't know. And then when I turned 17, I had my own job. I had a job at a service station there in Ephraim, Utah, and I wanted to buy a Banshee. So I think my parents co-signed on a loan with me and I bought a 1998 Yamaha Banshee. So we're talking another four-wheeler here. It's the 350cc twin two-stroke four-wheeler, right? So a lot of you, a lot of you guys out there probably know what I'm talking about. A lot of people still run these things out of the sand dunes. Uh, because it's just such an iconic feeling and it's got all this power, you know, a 350, uh, two stroke is a freaking, <laughs> that, those, those things were, those were awesome. Right. Um, but it, it was a four wheeler and cause I was still too scared of riding dirt bikes. So I would go with my buddy Scott and he would have all these different two stroke bikes, you know, like a, one of the ones that I remember where we were chasing deer out through the fields, I was on my Banshee and he was on his, uh, what was it? The, it was a Suzuki. It was probably would have been a 1998 Suzuki RMX 250. You know, so two stroke, 250, just like, oh, it was a crazy bike. And I rode that a couple of different times. I also rode my buddies. Uh, my buddy Justin had like a KDX 450 or something. It was a two stroke 450. It was crazy. Air cooled 450 from like the late, I don't know, 70s. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. But those things were super scary to me. So I just stayed on my Banshee and I rode that thing basically every day for two years. I always wanted to put the Toomey T5 pipes on there, but I didn't have enough money. You know, <laughs> that was something that everyone did. Like if you, if you, if your Banshee was awesome, you would put the T5 pipes on there. My Banshee was the gray one with the, uh, with the yellow. It was kind of like an iconic look. And I rode that thing forever. Uh, well, I shouldn't say forever. I rode it every day for two years. Um, just rode the wheels off that thing, multiple sets of tires. And then uh, I had to go, I didn't have to go, I chose to go on an, on an LDS mission for my church. So I went to Canada for two years and had to sell the four-wheeler. So I kind of like pawned it off my dad. He had to sell the four-wheeler for me because while I was up there, you know, preaching the good word, <laughs> preaching the good word of the gospel up in Ontario, Canada, um, 
somebody had to sell the four-wheeler. And so I should actually reach out to my dad and find out if I owe him money because I probably owed more money on the loan than he was able to sell it for If because I was making the minimum payments back then. It was like 116 bucks a month is what I was paying for that bike or that four-wheeler. I shouldn't say bike. Don't want to confuse the two because there's bikes and there's four-wheelers and we don't want to mix them. But anyway, I should ask my dad if I owe him any money for that because I probably do. Well, fast forward about, oh, I don't know, 10 years, right? And so 10 years, I'm starting a family. I'm going to college. I've got all these different jobs and I'm just trying to get everything in my life started. And then right around the time that I'm about 29 or 30, I guess it would have, I have to do the math on that. Somewhere 29 or 30, I don't know exactly. I start to have this, you know, that ringing in my ears from the people in my past that are saying, hey, uh, if you think four wheelers are fun, you should ride a dirt bike because it's much more fun. And that those sentiments were always still always ringing in my ear. And I always remembered what Scott Seeley, my buddy would say is like, Hey, four wheelers. I mean, the dirt bikes are just so much more fun because it's, it's more, you, you, you can choose your lines and there's so much create more creativity with it. And I was just watching him wreck and thinking, Hey, there, it sucks because you're wrecking all the time. And what I didn't get was just like that. I didn't have it yet. I hadn't gotten the bug, but I, I had that kind of in my head of like, maybe this, maybe there's something to this. Maybe I should look into this. And at that point, I, I did, I decided, you know what? I'm 29 years old. I'm going to see what this whole, um, what this whole dirt bike thing is about. And so I did just a teeny bit of research. I talked to a few buddies. Um, but ultimately I just went down to a dealership and this is in 2010 and they had a leftover 2009 YZ450F sitting there on the showroom floor. Now, why did they have that? In 2010, they, Yamaha had gone to the EFI on their four strokes. And so this 2009 was, was basically a leftover outdated bike because it had, still had the carburetor on. I think Honda went to the carburetor or went to EFI the year before. But this is... Uh, summer or spring of 2010, and we've got a bike that's a leftover bike that's a 2009. So it was a it was a good deal as far as price goes. It wasn't a good deal because <laughs> 450 motocross bikes are not a good starter bike to get started in dirt bikes, especially if you're going to do off road. I mean, even if you're going to do you know motocross or, or track riding, a 450 is not a good bike to start with. I've I've uh, made no bones about that. This thing almost killed my whole dirt bike career before it got started. But I paid right around five grand out the door for a brand new bike. And so that monetarily, that was a cheap bike for, for what it was. Um, and I had to buy like $1,300 worth of gear because I had to buy boots and a helmet and, and uh, you know, jersey and pants and uh, freaking, um, you know, a ramp to put it in the back of my truck. At the time, I had a 2010 F-150. And I remember going out of the dealer and I had, I had like the ratcheting tie downs with me. And the guy was like, is this all you've got to tie it down with? And I'm like, yeah. And he gave me some soft loop tie downs. He actually just gave them to me. He's like, you just bought a bike and like $1,300, $1,400 worth of gear and stuff. I'm just going to give you these tie downs. So he did that and I tied them down. I still have those. I tied down the bike and I still have those tie downs. You know, but that, that uh, 09 Yamaha 450, it just beat me up. I mean, it it felt heavy. It was heavy. It was like a tractor that just wanted to go in a straight line over everything. And it was hard. It was so hard. It was just, it was beating me up. I wasn't riding on any single track. I didn't even know that stuff existed. I'll get to that later. I was just riding on Jeep roads and, and four-wheeler trails and any place that I could find down around where I was from and in the new place, you know, that I was living here in Utah County, here in Utah. And it was just beating me up. And I was going through 
rocky sections and just not enjoying it, you know, because the bike wasn't suited for that type of riding and it was too much motor for me to be using at the time. Um, it's, you know, it's still too much motor for me to be using most of the time, unless I'm just out of the sand dunes. Most, most of you know, the 450s are not my favorite bikes. I, I prefer basically any bike over a 450 motocross bike out there. Um, but it, and it nearly killed my career. I just wasn't enjoying it. You know what I mean? It was, I liked the idea of having a bike and I love the way my truck looked when my dirt bike was in the back of it, but the thing was just too hard to ride. You know, in, in the play, in the in the places that I was taking it, in the trails that I was taking it on, that 450 was not the right bike, and it was just making everything hard. And you know, there was so much power that I was scared of it, and it wasn't making it fun. I just wasn't enjoying it. I wasn't gelling with it, and I kept, I I held on to it for a year. Uh, a year goes by. It's it's kind of like the second year that I've got it, and I'm I'm just about ready to get rid of the bike. I'm thinking one day I got to sell this thing because I'm making payments on this thing. I don't have a ton of money, and and I, I'm probably just going to get rid of it. And then I got invited to go on a camping trip with a bunch of different coworkers. So uh, Sam Oldham was one of those guys that invited me on this camping trip, and there was we we took our families, so we had our wives and our kids, and there was a bunch of different people. And Sam's like, "Hey, bring your dirt bike with you as well." And we went up Payson Canyon, which a lot of you guys from the Utah area know where that is. Um, and we just kind of did a camping trip. And it was kind of in the late summer, early fall-ish, as, as I remember. And he takes me down to some single track right down there by Jones Ranch. It's easy stuff that I just, you know, I, I can take my kids on. Most of it uh, my kids can do now. But I had never been on single track before. I didn't know that stuff existed. And that really opened my eyes. Um it, that I can I can trace back everything that has happened to that ride, and then me deciding to get a different bike after that. But it was just so eye opening. I'm like, wait a second, dirt bike? You can do this on a dirt bike? This is really really fun. And there were still parts of the trail that were challenging because I was on a 450 motocross bike, so the forks were too stiff. You know, everything was way too stiff to kind of absorb some of the rocks and stuff that we were doing. Um, and I was on this bike that could stall easily. Um, but it, it opened my eyes and it just, it kept me going long enough to keep the bike over the winter, right? It's kind of like with golf, like, cause I, I golf like once a year now, I used to golf more than that. But like you, you guys know, if you're a golfer, if you have one good shot in a golf round, that's enough to keep you coming back, right? If you had no good shots, you may never come back again. But usually what happens is you'll have one or two good enough shots where you're like, man, that felt so good. And that keeps you coming back for the other round. That's kind of like what this one single track ride did for me was it was like, wait, I kind of got that there is a possibility here for me to have some fun. And so I kept the bike through that winter. Now, fast forward to the March, the spring of, uh, it's March of 2012. And I get back from a business trip, um, in Las Vegas and I'm doing an enterprise sales job at that time. I still had it all the way up until just, just recently. Um, I'd been in the big city, I'd been in trade shows and I'm like, you know what? I want to get up in the mountains. And I, I, you know, I've been hearing about that. I have the wrong bike and I've been hearing from some people that I should try a two stroke. And I'm like, I haven't had a two stroke since that Banshee then since that 1998 Yamaha Banshee. Um, maybe I ought to try a two stroke dirt bike. So I go out and I go up to Ogden and I get a 2012 KTM 300 XCW. Purchased it from Stephanie up there at 80 Triple S. I think Stephanie still still works there um, with her husband now. I don't know if it, she she might not have been married then, uh, but she helped me out and she gets me this uh, 2012 300 XCW. 
And honestly, the rest is history. I fell in love with that bike and it changed my life. I did a YouTube video on this where I said, this bike changed my life and it really did. I can trace everything back to that bike and the experiences that I had there in the summer of 2012 and 2013. I, I had done a lot of stuff in my life. I had done, you know, um, guitar for many, many years and archery and uh, long range shooting and pilot stuff. You know, I went to school to be a pilot and there's, I've had a lot of different interests in my life. Um, you know, remote control airplanes and, and all these different things, but nothing ever took over my life like dirt bikes. And it was something that was so fun. It was so fulfilling because I could, I could, you know, go out every other week and still make improvements and still, you know, feel like I was getting better each time. And that's not something that had happened with any of these other, um, any of these other hobbies that I'd ever had before that. And now with this 2012 XCW, um, I wasn't fighting the bike anymore. I was using the correct tool for the job and I was having fun and everything became easier and everything became more fun. And, and it made me want to ride more. It made me want to get outside more. And I was just in awe at the places that I could go on this dirt bike and how fast I could get there and how I could, you know, focus on braking and focus on acceleration and focus on cornering. And no, I'm never going to win any, you know, I'm never going to get paid to win races or anything like that, but it was fun to just go out there and do it. And, um, it it was like nothing else. I was having a ton of fun. So now, you know, seven years after that, it's 2019, I've had over 40 dirt bikes, you know, including, including the kids bikes. Cause I've had a bunch of different bikes for my kids. I've owned, uh, more than 30 of the dirt bikes owned or tested more of more than 30 of the, the bikes from 2012 until now. And I'm loving it now more than ever. I'm sitting here recording this with a broken fin- uh, broken pinky finger. Um, so I've got a few weeks off the bike. I, I have to stay off. I had, the doctor said stay off the bike for four to six weeks. So I'll stay off the bike for at least four weeks. And then I might start taping my fingers together and going for, for some ri- a ride or two at the four-week mark. But it's the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. And I, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for, you know, Sam inviting me on that camping trip to make me keep the bike through the winter. And then finally that next spring deciding to get that, uh, 300 XCW, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. We wouldn't be having this conversation because I, my life would have gone in a different way. And it's so funny how one moment can kind of change everything else in your life. And it makes me wonder how many of those other moments that we've had. I think I probably said that in that YouTube video that I did about this, but that's kind of my Genesis story on, on dirt bikes. So it started, you know, with my, on my dad's knee, so to speak, or on the front of his 1980 Honda. And then it culminates today where I've got, uh, you know, three KTM TPI bikes out in the garage. I've got a beta out there. Um, I've got a gas, gas trials bike. I've got, you know, a Honda for my daughter, I've got a Yamaha for my kid. Just in just in my possession right now, I have KTM's, Betas, Gas Gas, Yamaha, Honda. There's five different brands. I might be forgetting something too. And those are just the bikes that are sitting out in my garage. I don't have brand loyalty. I just want to ride the best tool for the job. And most of the time right now for me, that is that is the KTM dirt bikes. They have better technology. They have better motors. They have better components throughout in, in general. Um, and... They're, they're awesome bikes. That doesn't take away from anything from the Hondas or the Yamahas or, or, or any of the others. 
because all of them, all of them have good, have good features. And, and I'm learning that even more so every time, like the beta that I've got out there, the beta 394 stroke, I'm still waiting for beta to swap it out because I'm supposed to swap that out for, they want me to do a 200 RR, the 202 stroke. Um, but they've been busy. And so I've just been kind of waiting for them to send the 200. But what I'm, what I'm saying is the beta has an amazing front fork on that bike. It's a 2019 and it is awesome. And I didn't love the beta uh, front fork that I did in 2017 on one of the two strokes, but this four stroke uh, fork, it's a race edition fork. It is awesome. And so the thing is, you can try new things all the time and I learn new things all the time. So I'm constantly trying tires and, and suspension and different things. Um, and, and that's kind of like my Genesis and dirt bikes. And something that I've been learning here recently is that just because it's aftermarket doesn't mean it's, it doesn't mean that it's better. Those companies have put a ton of R&D into the actual stock product that comes on the bike. And yeah, it's easy to make something different as far as from an aftermarket perspective, but it's not always better just because it's aftermarket. So anyway, that's uh, that's kind of the first episode here on the podcast. I'm going to have a bunch more episodes. Uh, if, you've got, if you've got topic suggestions, email them to me, kyle at dirtbikechannel.com. Uh, I plan on having guests on the show as well. Um, and doing just a bunch of different things that should be kind of interesting. I don't know how often the podcast will come out, maybe weekly or something like that, uh, but it just gives you something else to listen to in a different format, maybe as you're driving down the road, uh, heading to and from the different um, riding locations that you're going to. Anyway, it should just be kind of a, a fun thing. So I want to thank everybody who um, supports me. Uh, out there. There's a bunch of you out there. If you want to support me, you can go to uh, my website, dirtbikechannel.com. I have parts links over there. Uh, you can order through Amazon or Motorsport. Right now, I don't have the Rocky Mountain ATV um, the Rocky Mountain ATV links because we're, I'm on kind of a six-month hiatus with them as they retool their affiliate program and get it ready for the guys who used to be on their old affiliate program, which is me. So in six more months, in March, I'll be able to start to uh, using those um, Rocky Mountain ATV links again. As of re- But for now, there's the Amazon link, there's the Motorsports links. You can also go to Patreon and support me over there because um, this is the way I'm supporting my family now, guys. It's about a year ago, I stepped away from corporate America and my safety net job that I'd had for you know 11 years <laughs> with that one company and I started full-time into Dirt Bike Channel and that was in, it was a year ago, October of 2018. And, and now you're probably listening to this right around October of 2019. And that's what's going on with me. So it's been a wild ride. It's been stressful in some ways and a little less stressful in other ways. Um, So pretty interesting, but I'm blessed to be in this position and I don't want to change anything right now. So that's really all I've got for you guys. I will let the outro music play and hopefully we see you guys uh, very soon.